Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, Dennis Dodd. Dennis, welcome back. I hope you are well. It is time for our mid-season checkup. Are you ready to, I, uh, to diagnose? I am ready. I am halfway stretched out. In the next seven weeks, I will be fully stretched out, and I will have run a marathon. So, yes. There you go. Uh, <laughs> um, as as we're starting, one of the things that we had this week at CBS Sports uh, is the midseason package. Our midseason All American team was out. Uh, our new college football playoff picks, new refreshed Heisman picks, refreshed Coach of the Year picks. So, Dennis, um, one thing that you also wrote for the site this week is that everything that we thought we knew about college football in 2017 is BS. Why? Absolutely. No. Well, based on Saturday, we had four of the top ten lose in a in what was really kind of a sleepy week. There wasn't many, you know, comp- there weren't any ranked teams playing each other. I think there were 22 games involving ranked teams. And then just to see how it happened, inexplicable Syracuse, Clemson, um, Washington, it still boggles my mind. A team, an Arizona State team, was going nowhere, giving up 30 points, 30 plus, 11 games in a row, holds Washington to seven. Washington State just doesn't show up at Cal. You know, 37 turnovers. Uh, it's it's both invigorating and fun and exciting. So, so who, it kind of reshuffles the deck halfway through. So, who among all those upset losses? It, changes your perspective on them the most i would say uh see i think clemson you know that was clemson's pittsburgh i still think they can win the rest of their games uh well i'll take it as a group how about this i I think the pac-12 is really in trouble i agree because all yeah all their contenders cannot lose the rest of the way everybody has a loss uh they're the only major conference without an undefeated team with a lot of football left. And, you know, starting this week with USC going to Notre Dame, none of those teams can lose again. Uh, And and it's going to make it not only easier to slot four conference champions in at the end of the season, but more likely if you, you know, if you want to look at that, the two teams from the same conference get in. So I, you know, I think that's where we're at right now. I'm writing this tomorrow that if, USC loses to Notre Dame, that effectively ends the Pac-12's playoffs hopes. I, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think I don't think a Washington State with a bad loss to Cal gets in. Nor do I think they even get that far. I don't think you know. I don't think they'll run win the rest of their games. And and it's going to be. You're right. It's going to be real easy to leave Washington out at 12 and one with that with that non-conference schedule. That's exactly right. I agree. What about in the in the Big Twelve where TCU is undefeated? But do you think that TCU would be able to get the rest of the way without taking at least one, if not two, losses? I, I don't. I don't think they'll go undefeated. But I, you know, this is a small win for for the Big Twelve in that halfway through they've got three contenders: um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and TCU. And 
And obviously, two of those games still have to be played because TCU beat Oklahoma State. Yes, that's right. So they, they've at least got uh, contenders. The the uh, the bedlam on November fourth looks bigger now. OU and Oklahoma State. I think T, I think Gary Patterson's done a fine job. It's a really good defensive coach. Uh, Kenny Hill is back as a threat, but looking at that team, I just that doesn't seem to me to be a team that's going to go thirteen and zero. And in a season where you absolutely don't need a championship game for TCU, they're going to have to play a championship game. <laughs> How about that? So we are two weeks from the release of the first college football playoff selection committee rankings. And that will be only the beginning of lots of weeks of debating about body clocks and strength of schedule and quality losses. But uh, we were tasked this week with sending our new college football playoff four. So we're going to go around the table. Dennis, yeah. you first. What was your, what's your co- new college football playoff four? Well, this is right now. This isn't for the end of the season. That's what we're being asked, right? Just the Oh, question. Uh, I was under the oh, impression want, we were being asked want, to project. I did. I, I put them both down. So okay. Barton, you go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to research mine. Recalibrate. I did it. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. All right. All right. Mine, my projection is Alabama, uh, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. Ooh, with Georgia at four, two. Georgia at four. I, I, I'm, I'm envisioning Georgia running the table, losing a close game to Alabama in the SEC championship game, and the commit, and everyone thinking they're the second best team in the country, and letting them sl- sneak in the back door there for the the, the final four. I, that's that's I like that a lot because I, I wrote about that for this week that not only in the SEC but in the Big Ten the possibility less likely a little bit of uh, of two teams getting in because if if Alabama and Georgia play it's probably going to be one versus two and it's going to be the same old question we asked Nick last year can you afford to lose the game and he's going to have kittens right there at the podium. Um, and, and the same will apply, apply to Georgia. If they both go in 12-0, and 0, Georgia will have beaten a ranked Notre Dame, um, got, going through the SEC schedule. Auburn. And, and Auburn. So, and I, I talked to Jerry Palm about this this week, and he made a great point. In that scenario, what, what three one-loss conference champions are you going to put ahead of the loser uh, to put the loser at number five? You know what I'm saying? I I, yeah, play, I played it out the, the same way. You're looking at. It's I, about the Big 12. It's all about what happens at the Big 12. Because yeah. like I said, I think the yeah. Pac-12 is like out of that discussion at this point. Uh, the Big 10 will get somebody in. The ACC will get somebody in. So yeah. then it's it's uh, the way I see it anyways. And then it's about what has the Big 12 done? Has the TCU survived and gone undefeated and lost in the championship game or something? Yeah. Or has Oklahoma – run the table and then they still have that Ohio state road victory on their resume. Like it's tough. It'll be tough to put a losing sec champion in there against over say Oklahoma Uh, who wins out. I I think it will be for the committee. They haven't done that. They obviously left Penn state out uh, last year, but that was the conference champion. That wasn't a team losing the conference championship. But like, think of it this way. Like what, what if, 
what if Georgia beats Alabama in this in the SEC championship and Alabama right. has dominated everybody as expected to that point? How could you possibly leave Alabama out of the top of the top fourteen? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, that's the best scenario for this to happen. Because I think it's a little a little more likely they could leave out Georgia. But right. if if Georgia beats, you know, obviously a team that's, you know, one at that point one I'm trying to figure it out, thirty eight of the last thirty nine games or whatever it is, uh in in and wins by any margin. How how do you leave Alabama out? I, I, I totally get that. I've got Alabama Jeff, got? I got Alabama one, Ohio State two. I think Ohio State runs the table. Uh, from here, if it wins the Big Ten, and they'll be they'll be up at number two, which will be vacant because I think that Georgia will be number two heading into the SEC championship game. Got Alabama winning because Nick Saban owns most of his former assistants. So I think I got mm-hmm. Georgia at number three. They'll slide from two to three, and a Clemson team, which I think there will be a lot of commotion about uh, where they first land in the college football playoff selection committee rankings. I think that Clemson creeps in at number four after the Big 12 has something crazy happen in the Big 12 championship game. Big 12 championship game gets the blame. We do get Alabama Clemson three, but it is in the semifinals. Okay, I've got, uh, I've got real quick, I've got Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and I've got Oklahoma. So I guess what I'm saying is either George is going to lose a regular season game or – you know they're they're going to be they're going to be beaten by Alabama maybe I guess bad enough to to move out of the top four and then obviously Oklahoma would have to have to win out and uh, and and would get the advantage of beating whoever that second best team is twice. How certain are we in because we've got pretty much the same group of teams? Well, that's the funny thing. Yeah. Nobody nobody has thrown Penn State in there. Like everybody is just that's assuming funny, they're yeah. going to lose to Penn yeah. to, to Ohio State. Yeah, but I do. I, I get that. Right? Like, I, I really believe that Ohio State's going to win that game. And I think that Penn State – I mean, I think Penn State could lose to Michigan. I, I do, too. I mean, think of the next three weeks. I think it's three straight weeks for Penn State. Michigan at Ohio State at Michigan State. Um, you know, and teams have, have kind of the default setting for teams with at Penn State now. So we may lose, but we're going to stop. Saquon Barkley. Now he can beat you other ways. Uh, he's obviously kick returner, receiving. Uh, he's all purpose. He's all purpose. They don't <laughs> use him as a as a punt returner because that takes a special skill, according to James Franklin. But you're telling me that you know all three of those teams are absolutely going to go into the game with that first being the defensive mindset. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they get through that unscathed. I know, what, what about you, Barton? Where's your confidence level in the Nittany Lions? So, I, I think they beat Michigan this weekend. I just don't, I think Michigan is. I just have a hard time believing in Michigan given their offensive struggles. I think Penn State's good enough defensively to keep that going. Um, and then, look, I think ultimately there's just there continues to be questions about Penn State. Like, who have they really beaten? Yeah, and who have they? Yeah. De- and and even like I know that they 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 rolled up on on Indiana, but I mean that took that was sort of a weird game. Like they had a you know kick return touchdown and a, a two two defensive scores I think. And um, you know there's some their undefeated record isn't as dominant as it as it appears on the surface I think. And so 
I, I guess we'll find out this weekend. If they go out and just absolutely crush Michigan and it's just never in doubt, then then I think maybe they're you know they're there's something to really take seriously. But right now, hard to really bet against Ohio State rolling through the Big Ten. Can I can I offer something about? Um, and I'll just ask the question: How should we view JT Barrett right now? You know, since hey. the since the right since the Oklahoma game, he's on the best stretch of his career: eighteen touchdown passes, no interceptions. He leads. Uh, he, he's tied for the lead in touchdown passes in the country. And and if you were you guys remember after the Oklahoma loss, uh, everybody wanted to have him replaced as the starter, at least around Columbus. I just wonder what we should make of him right now. Dennis, you first. That's our question well, of the week yeah, right now. We're, we're right. like, we, we have been mulling this over for a couple of weeks, and now I think we've, we've hit a, a little bit of a critical mass. We're like, all right, now he's next game he's going to play somebody, and what should we expect? Like, is this a new JT yeah. Barrett, or is this the same old guy? I will say this. Kevin Wilson was brought in to, whatever the word is, rehab him or make him a bigger weapon and to throw down field. I looked it up. He's in the top 30 in completed passes of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and 70 yards in college football. He's in the top 10 in passes completed of over 50, 60, and 70. But what we haven't mentioned is the, the, the competition right here in this dead spot in the schedule. You know, when you're playing UNLV, Rutgers, Army, Maryland, Nebraska, who might be about as bad as all of, any of them that they've played, considering Saturday night, I don't know. I think it's a giant question mark until they play a living, breathing opponent again. So those those numbers, though, I think are very misleading. Because Yards I think after what the those catch. Are, th- those are yeah. Those are run after catch numbers, and I think if you look That's at right. so like for instance, like the the I guess That's J- the, the, J.K. The, Dobbins, Paris Campbell, yeah. right? Like Pro Football Focus. Um, I'm looking at their numbers right now, and and JT Barrett in uh, completion percentage on passes beyond 20 yards, he's 71st in the country in that. Okay. Uh, at about right. 35%. QB rating is 46th, and so I think that's you know that can be. Like that—that's what this is all about. Is like that's what he can do when yeah. you're when you're beaten up on these on these like teams that are just can't run with all the skill Ohio State has. It's easy to dump it off to these guys and let them go to work. But when you play yeah. in Michigan and you're playing to Penn State and those guys can really lock down yeah. the underneath passing game and you got to go vertical, can he do it? I don't know that. I still don't think we know that yet. I still think it's the same. It's the same predicament that we've been in with them. And until he does it in two weeks against Penn State, I, yeah. I, I don't know that we can. Uh, that I don't know that I can buy in. Can can you make a play, can he make a play on third and eight against a quality defense that will not, which will not allow him to scramble and pick it up, which he does against these bad teams. Michigan won't allow him out of the pocket to to run for third and eight. Neither will Ohio State. You know, uh, uh, not not Ohio State. Neither will Michigan State. And some of these other teams, that's what he has to prove he can do and, and hasn't yet in, uh, you know, at least so far in year five for him. I don't think it matters. I don't think he's any better. And I think he's the same guy. Oh, and I think that okay. I think that Ohio State as, a, as an offensive unit 
has improved to the point that combined with its defense, they can get to the college football playoff. They can win the Big Ten mm-hmm. without him taking huge steps forward in the vertical passing game. I just think that they're they're that good everywhere they, they else. Are what, they are what they are. Yeah, they are what they are, and they're not. They might not be able to win the national championship, but the the rhythm that they've developed offensively. Uh, Barton and I were talking about it. You know, the offensive line has started to get a little bit of an edge over the last couple of games, and that's so huge for that team in mm-hmm. terms of rhythm and being able to catch te- catch defenses off guard because that's when you spring J.K. Dobbins for the the 60-yard touchdown run or when Paris Campbell is all of a sudden let you know you're running at tempo and someone forgets to mark Paris Campbell he's left wide open in the middle of the field like the explosion plays I think can be there enough for them to win the Big Ten championship and for JT Barrett to be the same old guy. The story is great. It's good that he yeah, hasn't turned good. the ball that's good, over. That's actually a good column. Can can he be the same old guy and get him back to the playoff? I, clearly, we all think he he can, right. uh, judging by our rankings. Well, that's yeah. always been my, – my contention has always been that he can get them to the playoffs and he can win the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think J, a JT Barrett-led Ohio State can beat Alabama. And I – Used to not think he could beat a Clemson either, but may, yeah. you know, Clemson may be more vulnerable than, than we thought. Um, so that's that's where I'm at. Is it's 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 no longer about winning a Big Ten title. They've already done that. It's about yeah yeah winning a national title. It, it certainly is for their fans. It's about taking the next step. Okay, you've been to the playoff, whatever it is, two or three times, one one. Uh, got embarrassed when you were a, a fringe team last year. The next step has to be winning that at least winning that semifinal, I would think. Well, when it comes to uh, seeing whether we're going to overreact and think everything's all good <laughs> from uh, from the from a playoff contender uh, to a team that's just smack dab in the middle of the SEC West right now, Dennis, are you buying that LSU has found anything? Or what is the reaction to the last two wins in a row, Florida and Auburn, certainly wins that mean a lot and they are it's very good for Ed Oteron that they did not lose these games after uh, a struggle to start the season. Uh, are you looking at LSU in any different light moving forward? My brain hurts when I talk about LSU. I mean, I, mean, I physically get a headache because to answer that question makes me evaluate a team that has lost at home to Troy, which then turned around five days later and lost by double digits at home to Alabama. This is an LSU team that's that's lost by 30 to maybe a bad Mississippi State team. Lost to Troy. Uh, uh, Ed Orgeron just won his first SEC road game in his career as a full-time coach at Florida. And then, and then came back in the second half and beat a top-10 team. Uh, there's no continuity there at all. I will say this. Right now, they are the biggest stumbling block for Alabama until they get to the Iron Bowl. And... If they are indeed what they've shown lately, we're looking at a New Year's Six Bowl for, for LSU. How weird would that be? So I guess I defer judgment. I, maybe I'm taking the easy way out. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think they have, they play so many young guys that I guess you would assume they're going to improve. They've got an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator in Matt Canada that's new that's got a – I don't know if complex is the word, but there's a lot of moving parts literally in his offense that may take some time to adjust to. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that within 
a couple weeks, we've we've already seen a, a real evolution. So I, I don't know how if that's super far fetched to think that this is you know one of maybe Alabama's toughest competition throughout, especially given the way. I mean, the team they just beat and the egg they laid at the Auburn. What? A, yeah. Well, I right, so at the end of the year they're playing Texas A and M. That would be a with a win and a loss against Alabama. LSU finishes nine and three. That's wild. Yeah. No, that that's what I'm saying, and that that might qualify them for a uh, for a New Year's Six bowl um, because the the loser of the champ game is going to get one. You would think, uh, and there might be another slot for them if they're ranked high enough by the committee uh, to get there. And they they are. I, I agree with Barton. They're playing so many young guys. They are getting their roles defined. I think Matt Canada's kind of kind of settled in now. Uh, he's, he's squeezing blood out of a tomato with Danny Etling to his credit. Oh man! So you know we'll see. All right. So I, look, Ed Orgeron's not going to get fired this year, even if no. they, even no. if they totally blow it the rest of the year. But no. there are some serious seats that are heating up. Maybe even some new seats that are heating up. Maybe some seats that are cooling down. You are plugged in to this world, um, Dennis. Take us, take us into the hot seat world. Kind of what where. Where's been some movements lately that you, that you've kind of been ca- catching any buzz about? What what are some some coaches that you're keeping an eye on right now? Well, obviously Tennessee, I, w- I would think UCLA, Nebraska. I don't think there's any question is is going to make a change. Uh, probably Mike Riley and Butch Jones are one two in some order around there. The one that intrigues me is is Kevin Sumlin at at A and M. Maybe just throwing it in his boss's face, and you know he's either going to get fired or get a massive extension. <laughs> <laughs> because because they're five and two now, they still if they finish up at LSU, and depending on which way the wind blowing, I, I can see them winning that and him going ten and two, or nine and three. I guess my question back to you guys is, does he keep his job at at nine and three? Well, but hold on. So here's this is yeah. what's fascinating about this A and M deal. Is we're like right back in the whole in the same spot we've been in with Kevin Sumlin, where mm-hmm. you get tricked into thinking, yes. you know, A and M's really good first half of the season. This is now the, we're at the point where we figure out whether he's like a new Kevin Sumlin because there's still losable games remaining at Mississippi with Mississippi State at home, Auburn yeah. at home, on the road against LSU, and then Ole Miss. Depending on which which version of Ole Miss you catch, isn't isn't a terrible team. So, I, you know, <laughs> this is, yeah. I don't know. Like, what do you, do you think this is an A&M team that can, can, you know, go five and zero the rest of the year? I guess so, the answer to that is, is how much do you believe in Kellen Mond? And right now, uh, Kellen Mond is, Ke- is Kevin Sumlin's worst quarterback since what? Since what? Question mark. Cause I would, I would think that he would a kid that what I saw might have been better. Now he's not playing right now, obviously, but they are getting a lot out of Kellen Mond. Do, you know, if if you expect that to keep going, then yeah, I think they can. But I guess I don't think that can happen. I think that car is going to break down on the side of the highway at some point. I thought that the well, Florida win was good because Christian Kirk was pretty quiet in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke Dawson did a pretty good job, and the rest of the Florida defense they they kind of eliminated him from the equation and. You know, Texas A and M was not totally hamstrung by it. I, I but, agree. Um, go ahead. You, well, you look at, uh, you know, I think my one question here, just you know, given that schedule, is uh, you can make a case that, with the exception of Alabama, who granted they played pretty well against, 
but with the exception of Alabama, their three toughest games are yet to come. Um, you know, UCLA has turned out to be horrible. Um, Arkansas is in beating anybody, and South Carolina, you know, that may be a decent win at the end of the day, but may not be. <laughs> so, that, I mean, the SEC, there's so, there's so much, like, variance in the SEC from, from one team to the next. Uh, I, I just think that this is, you know, all of a sudden a real – or some real tests looming for him real quick on the coaches thing uh hot seat thing friday guys is two months until the early signing period so i think that puts pressure on ad's that want to make a uh a change that do you want to you know do you have to hurry up because that was one of the things that was talked about when they changed this you know this is going to start the start the clock earlier on ad's that want to make a change and maybe during the season I think Nebraska rides it out with Mike Riley, and I, I think if everything goes as planned and Scott Frost ends up there, um, you know, ten, I, I really don't have a good uh, a grasp on, on who Tennessee's going to get. I don't think it's going to be Chip Kelly. Uh, they're going to have to, to get a wow hire after Butch. Uh, you know, I can see Chip at UCLA. Here's one to think about. What about if Jim McElwain? We know, I, I know, Jim McElwain is dissatisfied that he hasn't been given enough credit for what he's accomplished at Florida. But I know Florida fans are dissatisfied with him because of the offense in year three still is bought down. Can you see Jim McElwain going, ah, screw it. I'm going to Oregon state or, or somewhere else where he's got Western roots and just says, I don't need this noise. I'll go get a nice paycheck and everything I do will be appreciated. Uh, there's a cautionary tale for uh, coaches doing that with Gary Anderson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> going to yeah, right, going right. to Oregon State and then yeah, and there then is <laughs> there is. But Gary Anderson's, I think, a an outlier, a guy that gave up left yeah. after ten wins at Wisconsin and left twelve million dollars on the table at Oregon. You know, you bring up a great point though. Like, I, I'm I'm pretty fascinated to see. Like, I don't know that we know how the early signing period is going to affect things. Yeah. Let, let me let me put this to you. Like, do you think I could see a scenario where? it slows the firing process to make sure that there is someone in place to at least lock up what they can on the recruiting trail. And then, you know, so I don't know, but it might, it might be a, it might be a quick trigger. It might be a slow trigger. Like that, that's, that will be really, I don't think anybody really knows how the, how this is going to play out. Good point. You might have, you know, whoever's telling recruits, whatever, Hey, hang with us. We're going to hire somebody good, and you've got that safety net of early February to get your class when you when you get your guy, or or if the guy you've identified is involved in a in a New Year's Six bowl, and yeah. and he wants to coach it, and you know by all rights he should coach it. You know, Kansas lost out on uh, on Jim Harbaugh, believe it or not, before they I think before they hired Turner Gill. Because Kansas didn't want to wait for him at Stanford in the bowl game. That that just looks like one of the stupidest decisions ever. Um, so you got to consider did, that. I didn't know Harbaugh almost ended up at Kansas. Is oh, that that's that's well that's been well documented. I, oh wow! I just I just had drinks with his uh, brother-in-law before the Michigan State game on a Friday night, and he went into it in detail. He he wow. had it all he had it all lined up. He was talking to the AD. He was. He was like he drove to Lawrence once and like peeked in on a practice through a fence and was looking. He was absolutely ready to go, because because big picture his uh, his in laws are from Kansas City from the area, and so that would have been a nice spot for him. But 
but yeah, I mean that's that's one of those that's one of those what ifs. But uh, but yeah, that's something you have to consider the the New Year's New Year's Day bowls. What about Arkansas? Are, you know, we were ta- you were talking about Texas A and M. Like it to me. Yeah. I t- there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fan frustration for Arkansas. My heart and my head tells me that Brett Bielema is a good football coach. How do you see this ending? In terms of if Arkansas wants to make a change, who do they get? When do they make a change? Does the buyout change at a certain date? Like, what is if the SEC West, as you're looking at the head coaches, you know, Kevin Sumlin, uh, like you said, Barton has a lot to prove. But to me, it seems like Bielema's on the hottest seat in the division. He he is, um, and you you keep hearing Mike Norvell from Memphis uh, to go there. At the beginning of the season, I heard he would, you know, he was looking for something bigger, but. It now seems a good connection. He's got connections there at Arkansas. I only know what I read about Bielma's buyout. I guess the latest is it's it's really only five point nine million at the end of the year. You know, uh, maybe he sits out a year. Uh, at first, I thought he might be a good fit at Missouri if they make a change. But I think I think Missouri, you know, is would have to absorb some of that money. I don't think they want to with opening a $98 million football facility and, and, and other financial considerations there. I think, I don't, Barton, what do you think of this? What about a Dave Claus in Missouri from Wake? What about hey, him? that's what I'm talking about. And we got this running joke that, that, that Dave Clawson is going to be like the Alabama head coach in like 20 years. Cause he just takes these small <laughs> right. incremental steps, like three years at a time, four years at a time. And Missouri would be exactly like that incremental yeah. step up from Wake. Yeah. And he keeps improving everywhere. You know, he's at Bowling Green, and then he goes to right. Wake and overachieves there. And he'd, he could do the same thing at Missouri, and they'd play a more exciting brand of football. And, no, I think, that, I think that's possible. Um, what about, uh, the only, you know, there's kind of a separate orbit with Chip, and I was told last week with Chip Kelly that he's quote-unquote anxious. He wants to get back in. And I think that, you know, the only place for him right now is college. I, I think the, probably the best places for him are Arizona State, uh, where they've got some money and they just spent a lot of it on facilities, and UCLA, who would be dying for for a, a revitalization of their fortunes. Man, UCLA would be that's that'd be a fun spot for that'd Chip. be a really <laughs> fun spot. Like I think it would. if Chip Kelly goes to Tennessee, that's good for the brand. You know, that's good for uh, for SEC football and and yeah. buzz that buzziness, but. To have Chip Kelly going on a revenge tour through the Pac-12, I yeah. think that would be peak enjoyment as a college football fan. Just scooping yeah. up all the Southern California skill talent and letting them <laughs> run around. That'd, yeah. be, yeah. that'd be a nice recipe. I, well, Barton, you know more about this than me. I mean, I, I love Chip Kelly. I think he's great. But no matter what happens, he's not that innovator. That he, he can never be that innovator guy again because everybody – has taken his playbook and except for the service academies, everybody runs some of it, don't yeah. they? Yeah. You no, I, I, it, it, it's, yeah, it would be hard, but at the same time, you know, he really, he ran it better than everybody else. And we still seeing, you know, like the way UCF is rolling teams up and, um, I, I would be curious. I mean, I think that's a great point. Like I'd be really curious whether yeah. Chip Kelly still holds an edge. Um, yeah. you know, they, you know, they'd be, they would execute well, but whether it's going to yeah. be, you know, that unique of an offense to really give teams the fits they used to. That's a good, that's a good point. 
and and the fact that uh, don't forget in the middle of this FBI investigation, he's the one football coach who was involved in one of these third party football things with, with Will Lyles. I know it's been a while, but you know any president hiring him would have to take pause. Before he did it, he left college football with an 18-month show cause and a failure to monitor slapped on him. I mean, there, there have been guys worse than, worse than that, you know, get hired. But I think it would take some pre- – it would eliminate him for some jobs. Let's put it that way. Not UCLA, baby. They would gladly nope. welcome him. Nope. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of UCLA and the Pac-12, one of the biggest games coming up this weekend, USC at Notre Dame. Um, Dennis, what's your read here on this game and what is – to me, uh, a huge spot for the Irish and a potential jumping-off point as they try to make their case as a potential playoff team over the second half of the season. Yeah, I'm starting to think the Irish are for real, and especially at home in really a season-defining game where Sam Darnold just hasn't taken off like we thought he would. Um, I I think Notre Dame wins this game because – I think when, uh, Brandon Wimbush is is, is underrated. Um, you know, I, I thought their best game may have been against Georgia uh, in a one point loss at home. We know how good Georgia is right now, so I, I think this really defines Notre Dame's season. And, and the obvious point is, it's it's a playoff elimination for one of these teams. Barton, we didn't yeah. mention the Irish as one of our teams that we would consider. What like how? What does the road to the playoff look like for you for Notre Dame? Well, I think they would have to win out. But if they if they won out, that's I mean that that is one like we didn't really throw them into our scenarios. But they would have a heck of a resume if they went out. I mean, even that Michigan State win that they that they yeah, won oh, yeah. handily is looking pretty good right now. Uh, to me, this is this weekend is where they become a real player in the conversation or not. Like if they win this game. All of a sudden, they they start getting into people's projections, and uh, that I mean, hey, they play one of the more balanced, impressive schedules out there because they still have Stanford out there as a resume builder too. They still got Miami. Yeah. yeah, dude, USC, NC State, Miami, and Stanford. They got four top twenty-five teams left on that schedule. Yeah, that's and a the, brutal road. And those six have a combined record right now of twenty-seven and six. So. You know, I, I, I first I was go, oh, they don't play a championship game. Well, you know what? Neither did Ohio State last year. So That's right. I, I think, you know, they've broken the seal on that. I think Notre Dame, with who they are in the minds of the committee, and really a viable schedule, they haven't. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna sneak into this one. This is gonna this is gonna be a really good schedule if they go eleven and one. Barton, I don't think I've asked you. Do you like Brandon Wimbush? Yeah, I'm surprised he's like a running quarterback this year, though. I know he was athletic, but I, I thought he would be more of a throw-first guy. He's got one of the strongest arms in college football, in my opinion. Um, so I think there's still a lot of development evolution left for him. You know, first-year starter this year, redshirt sophomore. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm, he's really – he's almost like a Kellen Mond type. Like, he's just yeah. a – they they just run him and and then yeah. you know hit play action off of him which which I didn't that wasn't what I saw coming and uh, and I'll be curious if that's what he looks like by the end of the year. This is a I I'm excited about this for Brandon Wimbush because he's healthy and because I think that we've only seen I mean think about it uh, the North Carolina game 
Brandon Wimbush didn't even play. They threw Book out there. Miami of Ohio, a game they dominated. Michigan State, a good uh, physical win that they were able to really lean hard on the ground game. But, like, we just haven't seen – we don't have a lot of data points of this Notre Dame offense with Wimbush being consistent. Uh, and I, I I think that when you're going up against Cameron Smith and the, the USC defense, I – this will be this will be the moment where I decide whether or not Notre Dame deserves that spot where I did not have them earlier as being part of this playoff picture. Yeah. What about the, what about this weekend, Dennis? Do you think that Alabama will eat too much rat poison for Tennessee? <laughs> no, I think it's just a question of whether they cover. I always not always. Uh, I tend to go in these sort of boat race games against Alabama, I tend to, to pick the the underdog to cover because Nick is just as likely to get out to a 34 to nothing lead and win 41 to 10 and get a, and everybody some time. He's, he's not into, he's not trying to impress anybody. He's not trying to run it up and you win by 31, but you didn't cover. So I still think that's a huge number in a rivalry game against Tennessee. I know they're wounded. I know it's, it's the final days of, of Butch Jones, but I, I will be surprised if uh, if Alabama covers. That being said, he did do a personal number on Ole Miss a couple of weeks ago. That was for, <laughs> that was sixty route sixty six against uh, against Ole Miss. That was for here you go, you cheating son of a gun for beating us twice in a row. You freeze. That's what that was. See, I think there may be a this to to that point. Like he's out there sort of settling old scores this year. You know, yeah. he did the same. He did the same thing with Vanderbilt. You know, and they they talked a little bit more than Vanderbilt should have. And I can kind of <laughs> see it going the opposite way with Tennessee. Like, all right, look, Butch Jones, let's 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 try to keep you around for another year, man, because I know I got your numbers. So <laughs> let's let's keep this thing within the within the number. You know what? You know what? You need to write that. I love that. <laughs> prop prop up Butch. Prop Butch up. Ah, what? Let's see. Thirty-five, seventeen. Prop Butch up a little bit. Then I can come back. Nick's, he already has one one press conference quote saying what a great coach Butch Jones is. So I this this feels like it's coming. I like that. How about, how about uh, Nick going there with his you know trying to find any reason to create drama for the opponent? I think he even this week referenced Butch's job security. He said, "Oh, you know, there's a lot of distractions there." It's like this vague reference where where I didn't think he'd even go there, but he yeah. did say something about it this week. Yeah, I don't know. I think Alabama might roll them. You still <laughs> like like when, 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 the voice of reason. The voice of reason. Yeah, they're gonna do whatever they want to do. Yeah, if they want to roll them. They'll roll them. You'll see these uh, three play, seventy-five yard touchdown drives popping up in there, where it's just bang, 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 done. I don't. I don't think Tennessee's got the horses. Uh, we'll see though. He is Dennis Dodd. You can follow him on Twitter at Dennis Dodd CBS. You can follow Barton at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the 24 seven sports college football podcast because subscribers get them first. Dennis, thank you so much. The magic Thanks, bullet they now have in their holster, which they will apply. Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh make a combined 20 million this season. Those two guys alone will make 13 million more than the entire match. <laughs>